Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com. And welcome to Movement Church. My name is Mark, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor. And I thought about coming up here and yelling, It's Christmas! And seeing if you guys thought I was cute. But then I realized it's not, because I, I practiced back there. And I was like, this is not very cute. So uh, it's, I didn't realize how intimidating it is to, to know that you're like the 90th cutest person on stage today. Until uh, I saw them up here. And then I was like, this is going to be a train wreck. No matter what I do, people are going to notice that I'm ugly. So uh, thank you for, for tolerating me and my lack of cuteness. But I'm excited uh, to see everyone here today. Excited to, to celebrate. Uh, we're in week three of our series, uh, Celebrating Advent. And this series is designed uh, just to help us pause and, and look at the Christmas story. Uh, Advent uh, has, has two purposes, as you just saw there. Obviously, to look at the arrival of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, the first coming of Jesus, but also then to look forward and celebrate uh, to the second coming of Jesus, which we believe uh, is just as exciting. And obviously, two weeks ago, uh, we began focusing on, on this theme for this month, the fact that Jesus is sent. And so our big idea was this, that Jesus is sent to claim his crown as rightful king. Uh, last week, we looked at the fact that Jesus is sent to reclaim his people from exile. And so today we want to look at, at the fact that Jesus is sent to proclaim the arrival of the kingdom of God. And so I want to invite you to, to look at a passage in the Bible uh, as we begin to unpack that truth. Uh, it's, it's page 565 if you've got one of the Bibles that's under your seat or around you there. It's Isaiah chapter 61. And this passage, uh, Isaiah chapter 61, is a, a passage of prophecy. This is a passage that was written in the Old Testament and was looking forward uh, kind of saying some of the things that, that we could expect, some of the things that were going to happen uh, in the birth of Jesus. This is a passage that says uh, one of over a couple hundred things that we see coming true with the birth of Jesus. We know that we knew uh, the tribe of Israel and, and some different things and, and, and things that were prescribed. This is what it's going to look like when the Messiah comes, when the Savior is born. And so this is one of those passages that I want us to, to look at today as we talk about the fact that Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God. And so Isaiah chapter 61 Page 565, you can, you can read along with me. And I want you to know, if you don't have a, a copy of the Bible of your own, that one that, that is there in your seat in your hand, feel free to, to take that home. Uh, we would love nothing more than for you to, to have a copy of the Bible to read and to study and, and get to know that more. But let me read Isaiah chapter 61. It says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Again, this is the prophet in Isaiah looking forward and saying these things about Israel, about the arrival of the Messiah. It goes on in verse 8 to say this, this message given by the Lord. It says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. 
I am like a bridegroom dressed for the wedding, or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring, with plants springing up everywhere. And so again, this is a passage of prophecy. This is looking forward and, 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 and saying some of the things that will happen when the Messiah comes, when the Anointed One comes, and when it gets there. And right away from the start, this passage in Isaiah establishes that the, the messenger that is coming, the messenger that it's talking about, the Anointed One, establishes that, that the, the messenger will speak from a place of power and from a place of authority. And that's, that's significant because the term anointed is ultimately linked with the term Messiah. In the Hebrew language, Messiah means anointed one. And so as you were calling someone the Messiah, you were essentially saying that they would be anointed. If you were to say that someone would be anointed, you were saying that they were the Messiah. And so Isaiah tells us that the coming messenger will be God's anointed one, empowered by the Spirit of the Lord. And so this puts this, this messenger, this coming anointed one, it puts them in line with prophets and kings and royalty and things that have happened throughout the timeline of the Bible and throughout the timeline of the Bible involving the nation of Israel. And so we know that the coming messenger is the Messiah. He's God's sent one on a mission to proclaim the kingdom and the arrival of God himself. And so we already said for today that our, our big idea is Jesus is sent to proclaim the kingdom of God. But I want you to know that the messenger who is announcing and bringing the kingdom of God, the messenger is the Messiah. This is a big deal. As this audience would have read this book, they maybe didn't understand that the messenger, the one that they were looking for, the one that they were looking forward to, the one that would usher in the kingdom of God, the one that the Christmas story and Christmas season were about, the messenger is the Messiah. He was the Messiah, the anointed one. He was the one that they had been waiting on. So I want to read a, another passage of scripture because sometimes I think that uh, we, we read prophecy and we, we disconnect from it. So I want to, I want to invite us to, to look at Luke chapter 4. I'll read this passage to you. You can turn there if you want. It's page 783. But Jesus has a chance to say the same thing that we just said, that the Messiah and the messenger are one. This is Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 22. This is very early on in the ministry and the life of Jesus. You know that when you see it in the fourth chapter of Luke, because obviously in most of the accounts of the gospel, we always have the Christmas story, right? It always talks about the birth of Jesus, and then it says a genealogy showing that he was in the line of David. It says so-and-so begat so-and-so, and this was their son, and we kind of know some of those things. And so early on, we have the Christmas story in the book of Luke. We have some genealogy. We have the baptism of Jesus and John the Baptist foreshadowing that, announcing that Jesus is coming, and right away we see this. Jesus goes away, and he's, he's in the wilderness. He comes home, and this is basically one of the first interactions that we see in the Gospel of Luke in, in chapter 4 and verse 14. It says this, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. You may notice this quote. We just read this, but this is Jesus saying it again. Quote, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. 
Verse 20 says this. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? And so this was, this was told to us in the book of Isaiah. That the messenger would come, that the Messiah would come, that the anointed one would come. Jesus was born. Jesus was ready to begin his ministry. He was ready to, to usher in the kingdom of God and start that timeline toward his second coming. And so he's in the temple this day in his own hometown. And they could have been reading any book of the Old Testament. They could have been in lots of different passages. They didn't have to ask him to read or to teach that day. And he could have taken them to some other spot. But this, this was in God's timeline. This is what God wanted to happen. And it was time to begin this process. And so he turns to this passage and he says something that's something that I can quote, but he's saying this about himself. He's saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the world. He's saying, I'm going to change things. I'm the one you've been waiting on. I'm, I'm the one that, that you heard was coming. You've been waiting. God is here. Here I am. And so the reason I wanted to jump to this passage in Luke is because sometimes I think when we hear this in the book of Isaiah, we kind of lose context. We think of it as like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a dry old stale passage from the Old Testament. I've heard of that. It talks about something that's coming like most of the Old Testament and that's good. And I think sometimes we lose some of the effect. We lose some of the context. We lose some of the what just happened right there. And so scripture says that he finished reading. Jesus was in the temple. He read that passage, said who he was, announced it, finished reading, rolled up the scroll, Gave it to the attendant. But I don't, I, don't, I don't see it happening like that. I see it being a lot more scandalous. I see it being a bigger deal. And so scripture tells us that he rolled up the scroll and, and went back to business. But I think in popular culture, we would, we would probably call that a mic drop. I, I think you would say that, that Jesus dropped the mic because I think what just happened there was a huge deal. I mean, you can't just say, hey, I'm the one you've uh, been waiting on, kind of reading about. I'm actually God, and I'm going to change everything, right? If, if you say that, that's a big deal. People are going to go, oh. like, I, I picture in this day and age, if that happened, that someone would have yelled, world star, in the background, or something like that. Or, or this is like that moment in the cafeteria when everybody goes, oh, you know, like, because people are watching, and people are seeing this, and people see what are happening, and they know that this is different, that this is a big deal, that this is something. And so God has ushered in his kingdom by sending his one and only son. And I said that this would be like a mic drop. If you don't know what a mic drop is, sometimes when, uh, when people just know that they're awesome on stage or when they're in a rap battle or something, they'll, they'll sing a solo that's just so great before they walk off stage, they just drop the mic because nothing else can be said, right? You probably don't spend your days on urbandictionary.com. So let me just read this to you because this is the climate of the room that I think that, that Jesus just created. It says... You drop the mic because you just said something crucial and everyone needs to be quiet for a minute and soak it all in. Now, I don't, I don't picture Jesus having that, that arrogance and yet at the same time, I think there, there is a confidence because he is who he is. He said this and scripture tells us he's the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father but through him. And so I don't picture him doing this in an arrogant way, but I do picture this being truth. 
I mean, if you are the truth, not just a nickname like some guys in the NBA, like, oh, I call myself the truth. Literally, he is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And so he has to say that to the world. He wants the world to know that. He wants to usher that in. And so he says that. And so this would have been a moment where Jesus was in the temple, picked up a scroll, and said, the one you've been waiting on, the one you've prayed about, that's me. I'm here. And then everyone would have sat in silence or anger or shock and just thought, did that just happen? And they would have let it soak in. Jesus is sent to proclaim the kingdom of God and the messenger, the one that they've been waiting on, thinking he was going to change things, he was going to say something. What they're learning is that the messenger is the Messiah. The messenger is not just the Messiah, though. The messenger binds the broken. That's what this passage tells us. What does it look like when the kingdom of God shows up and breaks out all around us in that moment, in this moment? The broken are healed. The mourning find comfort. The prisoner is set free. The captive leaves their chains. The messenger proclaims the good news to the poor that God has heard your cries for help as the nation of Israel had been crying out to God. And they're learning that God is going to heal them. God is going to heal us. To the brokenhearted, it's saying that Jesus is here to bind you up, to fix you, to repair you. He's here to draw close and take the pain in your life upon himself. He's here to walk beside you and lead in this long but beautiful journey toward healing. To the prisoners, to the captives, the people that feel like they're, they're being drugged down by something or they're enslaved to something or they're prisoner to something. He's here to set them free. Freedom has come in the form of Jesus. And Jesus proclaims that, that under his reign, in his kingdom, in this kingdom that is now beginning, you're released from the chains and the cell block and the things that have weighed you down, the things that have held you captive. And even as his spirit speaks to hearts in this moment, doors are being unlocked and chains are being set free and people are understanding that this is the kingdom of God. People who are mourning, people who feel uprooted, people who feel like they've let God down, people who feel like they can't be good enough. He's saying, in the same way that I restore cities and city ruins, I'm going to restore you as a people. I'm going to restore your hearts. I'm going to complete your hearts. I'm going to transform your hearts. I'm going to change your hearts. And that's what this good news looks like that Jesus is bringing in. This kingdom that is starting is the change of everything, the transformation of everything, the completion of everything. And that's what happens when the kingdom of God comes. Sometimes I think we think the kingdom of God is not a very good kingdom because we, we think of, of kings and crowns and castles and jesters and, and all kinds of things. And, and, and even though we, we know that that's a, an earthly kingdom, we still expect kingdoms to, to look like that. I had it explained to me one time that the, the kingdom of God was ushered in by Jesus and yet there's an already not yet mentality because I think sometimes we think, well, yeah, but isn't Jesus supposed to come back and I think we're going to go to heaven and so that'll be like a kingdom too. So how can we be in this kingdom and yet there's a, there's a kingdom coming and I, how, there can't be two kingdoms, that's a divided kingdom. And so what does this look like? So someone explained to me, this is a phrase you may hear, that we're already in the kingdom of God, and yet we're, we're not yet in the completed kingdom of God because we're going to celebrate with Jesus for eternity. But Jesus was ushering in, in this moment, his kingdom. And the fact that no matter who we are or where we had been, 
We could look to him as our savior. We could look to him to find hope and belonging and joy as we've talked about these themes over these weeks. We could look to him. We could be made complete. We could be made whole. We could be restored just like a broken person, just like a a torn down city. We could be rebuilt. Jesus is sent to proclaim the kingdom of God. The messenger is the Messiah and the messenger binds the broken. But this is my, my favorite part, although the part about the mic drop was pretty cool. This is, this is my favorite part as we look at the arrival of, of Jesus. The messenger, the one who brought this message, the one who ushered in the kingdom of God, the messenger is the message. And so when we look at Jesus, when we see the life and the ministry and the character and the actions of Jesus, we are seeing the gospel. He embodies the gospel. He embodies everything that we just said. He embodies people being restored. He embodies people being made new. He embraces that and he shows that. He is that. We experience the word of God, the truth of God, the plan of God, the timeline of God being flesh, coming to this world and being flesh. And so we're looking at the timeline of God. We're looking at the plan of God. We're looking at the restoration that God wants for us, the rebuilding that God wants for us. That's a radical thought. This isn't just some stuffy old passage in a book from a couple thousand years ago that no one really understands. This is that plan being made into flesh. This is that plan being in our world, in our time, in our culture. This is that plan being set into motion. The messenger is the message. And so Jesus came and and lived on this earth and lived in this world and modeled what the kingdom of God looked like and what it could mean. In Jesus, God becomes the things that he wants us to see and the things that he wants us to say and the way that he wants us to act. Jesus is the message of hope and the message of the gospel. And he proclaims that the kingdom of God is here right now through me. And even though it would have been shocking, even though it would have been scandalous, even though it made some people mad, even though it's caught some people off guard, even though some people didn't believe him, he was there to proclaim that I as the messenger am the message. And the message is that Jesus was sent to proclaim the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here and you are invited to be a part of the kingdom of God. Obviously, most of us know that Jesus was born to his mother, Mary. That, that if you've read this, this story, this timeline in the Bible, that there was a moment that it was told to her, hey, the Holy Spirit is, is, is going to uh, give you a child. And this, this child is going to be fully God, fully man, and he's going to come and, and, and save the world. He's going to redeem and take away the sins of the world. God has a plan to redeem all of mankind through this child that you're going to be given. I love that, that there's a, a point in the Bible, it's called Mary's Song of Praise, that when she understands what's about to happen, she understands what, what's about to be set in motion, she understands what God's going to do, she responds, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. She understood what God was doing. She understood who Jesus was and who he would be and what it meant that he was coming to this world to usher in the kingdom of God. And she had one simple response. Oh, how my soul praises. She understood it, and she felt great joy. Yeah, she could have felt a lot of things like, oh, I never thought of it. It would happen this way, and this kind of makes me nervous. No, no, no. 
she, she understood all of these things. She said, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. And so our big idea for this morning is that Jesus is sent to proclaim the kingdom of God. We've talked about a few different things, but I think what we have to ask, as we look at who Jesus is, as we look at his birth and his arrival to this world, and we talk about the kingdom of God, Have you stopped for a moment in your life or this season to, to think about that? What does it mean for someone to, to start and, and set in motion the kingdom of God? Have you caught up with that truth? Have you, have you fathomed that truth? Have you realized that the kingdom of God is here? Not the kingdom of, of you or your stuff or your world or your house or your career. The kingdom of God. Have you taken a moment to pause and reflect That the kingdom that we can be a part of, the kingdom that that we're living in, that we're seeing, is God's kingdom. We said the the messenger is the Messiah. So most of us would say, yeah, Jesus, he was a messenger. He said some really neat things. They have bookstores devoted to those things. There are books and t-shirts, and he was a wise person. I don't think anyone in here would would argue against the fact that Jesus was a messenger, that he he brought a good message. But have you recognized that the messenger is the Messiah? The messenger is the chosen one, the anointed one, the one that God wanted to bring his gospel to this world, the one that God sent. You said the messenger is the Messiah. We also said the messenger binds the broken. And so I... I don't think we would have to say, hey, does anyone in here ever feel broken? Just go ahead and put your hand up and let's all embarrass ourselves because I already know the answer. Scripture tells us that we're all broken in some way. We all mess up. We all fail. We all let ourselves down, let each other down. We all turn our back on God's plan and so we all have sin and things in our heart that in some way, whether we want to admit it all the time or not, we are broken. The messenger is the Messiah. The messenger binds the broken. Have you admitted yet at some point in your life or sometime in this Christmas season that in some way you're, you're broken. I don't mean to say that to, 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 to get you all down, but just to say, have you said, I'm broken enough and I see that Jesus is the answer. I see that I need Jesus, that I'm complete, that I'm whole in him, that he's everything I'm not. And the way that my sins let me down and let the world down, he is the answer to those things. The way that Jesus binds the broken is that he came and, and gave his life He gave his life because of the sins and things in our life that that are broke. And so he died for every lie that we tell, every relationship that we we, we mess up. He came and and died for all the ways that that we're selfish and the, the ways that we go against his plan. And when we understand who he is, when we trust who he is, when we give our life and our sin and our brokenness to him, he takes those things upon himself And the Bible says that he makes us a new creation. And so have you looked at yourself this holiday season or at some point in your life to say, the messenger is the Messiah. The messenger is the one that came to fix me in my brokenness. Third point we made was that the messenger is the message. So some of you are thinking, yeah, I hear what you say about Messiah and broken. I made that decision when I was six, or I, I, I prayed this prayer with my grandma when I was nine, or I did that in college. That was like 15 years ago. I think this challenge is, is for everyone in the room. The messenger is the message. 
Jesus completely embodied the kingdom of God, the presence of God, the integrity of God, the ethics of God, the character of God in every interaction that he had and in who he was. So if you've already given your life to Jesus and this Christmas and this this Advent stuff is, is old hat, you know this stuff. Ask yourself, how can your life embody and enact the good news of the kingdom? How can you become what you say? How can you become the gospel in your day-to-day life? Because that's the example that we see from Jesus from the moment he was born, through these passages here, through Luke chapter 4, through his ministry. He was the gospel. He represented the gospel. People saw the gospel in him. Do people see the gospel in you? Does the word become flesh as, as you live for God? Obviously, we're broken. Obviously, we all have faults. Obviously, we mess up. And yet, God is saying, I'm making you a new creation. I'm illuminating you with my Holy Spirit. I'm lifting you up. I'm letting you live. I'm supporting you. I'm making you great. And so, how do our lives reflect the message of the gospel? Jesus is sent to proclaim the kingdom of God. What was once a far away, far off hope is now a present reality fulfilled in the arrival of Jesus. He's the messenger. He's the Messiah. He came to fix and restore the broken. And he is the message. He is the gospel. Take a moment to reflect. Have you given your life to the Messiah? Have you let him fix your brokenness? Have you admitted that this messenger is more than just a person or a man, that he can restore you, that he can change you? Have you let your life embody that truth and represent that truth as you live that out to the world? Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Old Testament, the way that it points forward to the arrival of Jesus in the kingdom of God. Lord, thank you for the ways we see that completed in your word and completed in scripture. God, I pray that if there's anyone in the room that has not stopped to think about who Jesus is, stopped to think about all that his life changed, I pray that they will do that today. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in the room who maybe for the first time is realizing how broken they are, Lord, that they will take that to Jesus and ask him to take the weight, the punishment of their sin, Lord, and to restore them, to fix them as they live for him, as they give their life to him. Lord, I pray for all of us as a church this holiday season, Lord, that we will embody the gospel, that we will be the message, that we will be restoration and truth. Pray that as people look at us, they will see the way the truth and the life of Jesus shining through our actions, shining through our speech, shining through the way that we work, the way that we function as families and as neighbors. God, we pray that we will be the message of your son this holiday season. 
God, thanks for a chance to pause and, and look at that today, Lord, and not in a downcast way. Thank you for the joy that is attached to that. Thank you for the unspeakable joy that we have because we are found in you, because you came to give your life so that we could have life. Lord, help us to celebrate that. Help us to be found in that. Help us to be upbeat this holiday season, Lord, because we don't have anything to be stressed about or anything to be down about, Lord. We have unspeakable joy found in your son, Jesus. So God, we just pray that that you'll just lift up our worship now to you, Lord. Help it to be pleasing. God, we thank you for the chance to gather together, to celebrate you, to be excited about what you're doing as you grow Movement Church, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen.